Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome once again to the Really 007 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pickup, and in this episode, we'll be discussing... At this point, of course, I would normally sing the title of the film, but because the Chris Cornell song is called You Know My Name, I can't really do that. Casino Royale is the the name of the film (laughs) we're discussing. Anyway, thanks for listening to us, and if you're a new listener, then we have many other episodes for you to listen to already in our back catalogue. Simply search for us at Really007Pod on iTunes and Spotify, where there are a goldmine of reviews, specials, and pure silliness. We're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, if you search Really007, we do urge you to join in on the daily inane debates. And if anyone was in doubt, it is I who speaks on behalf of the six of us. (laughs) Hence the regular goading and clickbait. So, uh, first of all, a couple of shout outs. Shout out uh, to our friend of the show, Steve Spring, a man reasonable enough to not hate those of us who aren't as keen on the Daniel Craig era as he is. Another shout out, we couldn't do this episode without perhaps Daniel Craig's biggest fan, Mr. Rob Parker. He he will be devastated <laughs> to, to not be taking part tonight, and I know he's he's listening in the wings, he's just waiting to heap praise on this film and the Daniel Craig role, I think. So, here's to you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, uh, thanks to Feedspots, who named us in the top 35 James Bond podcasts in the world. don't know how many there are, but still. And hopefully we can uh, <laughs> climb that list over the years. My crack team tonight, discussing the critics' darling of a movie, who all have their <laughs> own unique views on Casino Royale. They are John Kell, Harry Pickup, Math Pickup, and our special guest from the For Your Reconsideration podcast, James Stewart. Good evening, gents. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. James, we have you as a guest here. This is a, a real privilege to us. We know, of course, Rob is also on the FYR pod. 
just first of all, just tell us a bit about the podcast for those who haven't uh, perhaps stumbled on it yet. Yes, so uh, first of all, the privilege is all mine. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Great uh, to have you. Yeah, so the pod itself is uh, hosted by a trio of legends, me being one of them. Uh, <laughs> and basically what we are is a sanctuary for the unloved, ignored or forgotten films <laughs> of the past. Uh, so if a movie is ranked as terrible on Rotten Tomatoes or did nothing at the box office, then, then we will have it on our podcast and we will bestow its virtues to our listeners. And, you know, making films is a very difficult thing to do. And we're of the opinion that nearly every film has some redeemable quality within it. Mm, yeah, and we want to celebrate that. And, you know, a lot of things... Uh, people work very hard on these films, and for them to just disappear with nobody to uh, champion them—it just—it it makes us sad. So that's why we do the For Your Reconsideration podcast, and we cover everything from straight to television, uh, Bigfoot movies to forgotten <laughs> masterpieces. Like, uh, it's mainly Rob, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're sort of cornering the market on weird Bigfoot movies. <laughs> We might have to have a cooling off period in between Bigfoot movies, otherwise Rob would literally pick one every time it's his shit. Um, yeah, and yeah, so we go from from the uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime, and uh, we've also covered things like um, William Friedkin's forgotten masterpiece, Sorcerer. So and everything in between. Brilliant. Oh, uh, what a so, gem! Yeah, it's just a fun time where we celebrate films that uh, people aren't uh, aren't too hot on. Yeah, and of course we know in order to protect Rob's sanity you've deliberately not covered a James Bond film that's right isn't it? yeah um, I mean he's never he never put one forward to be honest with you and I don't know where he gets this that we'd start dissing them because that's not what we do <laughs> um, to be honest but yes we haven't and you know when you've got experts like you guys who can uh, <laughs> who can dig into the nitty gritty of the, I'd say Bond is his own genre at this stage there's no need for amateurs like us to be getting involved but oh, well, but yeah yeah you know yeah I'm I'm very happy to be here and add any expertise that I can but I feel what, very out of my depth with the present company. Not at all, James. <laughs> not at all. What what is your background with James Bond growing up? Uh, very similar to a lot of people, I would imagine, is that you know you sort of discover Bond watching them on a bank holiday with your dad, I suppose. Um, Oh, at least that was my experience. And then, you know, if you're any sort of film fan, you can't really appreciate cinema without appreciating the the fact that um, Bond is an icon within cinema. Um, And, you know, I think with anything, uh, with any long-running series or saga, there are ups and downs. And, you know, there's good Bond films and bad Bond films, but, you know, the the character itself is, is just... He's part of the fabric of cinema and uh you know i think nearly every film buff will have an opinion on on bond one way or another i know it's a tough question but who who would you say is your current favorite james bond actor well i I think it sort of goes without saying that connery is the best but i would say that my favorite is pierce brosnan even though i don't think this the the uh the films of his are the strongest in the series yeah Uh, golden eye aside which is fantastic um, you know, uh, but I always thought he was very good in the movies, even if the films yeah. themselves didn't quite come up to his level. Yeah, brilliant to have you say that, James, because we've not had many. I mean, I think we all really like him, but yeah. none of us have, you know, would pick him out as our favourite. And I think, 
I think we all underrate him, to be honest. Yeah. And un- underestimate what he did for the franchise, like, you know, and, and for people our age. There, he's, yeah, there, so, he's their favourite Bond, and so, yeah. Yeah. Was, you say it. I think was he your first Bond like at the cinema? My Bond, I suppose, yeah. Um, GoldenEye was one that was a video shop rental. I think I was 10 or 11 when it came out, and it might have been a 12, so we d- I didn't get to go to the cinema to see it. Uh, and just, you know, when Bond dives off off the dam at the start of GoldenEye, I just thought it was oh. the most impressive thing I'd ever seen. Um, and, you know, he, it felt more modern than the Connery and the... Even though Connery's amazing, and when as you get older, you realise how spectacular he is in that role. You know, for a, for a 10 or 11-year-old, it doesn't grab you, or it didn't grab me in that sense. Whereas this felt like my Bond, and it felt more modern. And then from there, I've always gone to see every Bond that's been released at the cinema when it's come out, so yeah. So James, is it, is it possible that we might have a For Your Reconsideration episode of Die Another Day then? <laughs> you said there's credit in every film, James. Yeah. Come on, come on, James. The first forty minutes of that movie are all right, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. What I remember, it just goes. At off least a, it just drives an invisible car off a cliff. Um, <laughs> a CGI Halle Berry off the cliff. Theory yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, me. No, that's brilliant, James. I won't ask you what your favourite Bond film is, in case it is the one we're reviewing tonight. But I know it is one of your favourites, and I know GoldenEye is one of your favourites. Yeah, yeah, I'd say they were probably in my top five. What I'm, I need to re- go back and do a reassessment of a lot of the older ones, because I have seen them, but they haven't, you know, 20 plus years ago, probably, yeah, to, where yeah. to properly take them in and experience them more with an adult mind as opposed to, you know, as a child. Well, there's an established film critic as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good one. <laughs> well, thank you, James. Great, great to have you on board. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Casino Royale, of course, was a big, bold return for James Bond, coming four long years after the mess of Die Another Day. There was a real pressure on the producers to get it right. We'll discuss at length whether or not they made the right choices, Math in the wake of the poor critical reception of Pierce Brosnan's final film as 007. The 21st Bond film came out in 20, uh, sorry, 2006 and was Daniel Craig's debut in The Dinner Jacket. The bigger change was the decision to reboot the series. Of course, until now, each Bond film was essentially a separate <coughs> adventure with very brief references to the events of the death of Tracy, for instance, along the way. Although the actors and settings have changed we were led to believe that these were just different incarnations of the same ageless, timeless character. And no, we're not saying that James Bond is a codename. We're not going down that route. (laughs) So this Bond in Casino Royale is less experienced and more vulnerable, in inverted commas. This is the first film that is truly about him. His mission is to stop terrorist financier Le Chiffre. My best uh, (laughs) French accent there. That annoys Jennifer every day. (laughs) <laughs> yes, not by foiling his plans for world domination in an ice palace this time, but by winning a poker game. <laughs> anyway, the other plot line is something we haven't truly seen <laughs> since uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Bond would fall in love with someone, and his relationship with Vesper Lind would carry on through the entire Craig era, apart from Skyfall, that's, that's, that's not mentioned in there, it's a soft reboot, until he met a younger <laughs> fellow blonde and got back to hating being a double agent inspector. Your file shows no kills, Bond. But to become a double O, it takes two. 
How did he die? Your contact? Not well. You needn't worry. The second is... Yes. Considerably. The man was Le Chiffre, private banker to the world's terrorists. Which would explain how he could set up a high-stakes poker game at Casino Royale in Montenegro. If he loses this game, he'll have nowhere to run. You're the best player in the service. The Treasury has agreed to stake you in the game. But if you lose, our government will have directly financed terrorism. I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed house. You noticed. I hope our little game isn't causing you to perspire. It doesn't bother you killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. How's our girl melted your cold heart yet? James, get the girl out. You're not going to let me in there. You've got your armor back on. I have no armor left. You've stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me. Whatever I am. I'm yours. The only question remains. Will you yield? In time? James, if you've uh, if you've heard the show before, there's a bit where we do where we have um, I have five questions to do with the film, and we have a buzzer that we have to say that gives you permission to say it. Um, the answer. Math is storming away at the moment um, with Chris, but Chris isn't here, so Math's storming away. Although yeah. although Harry actually won last time in the Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, episode. fancy that. He did. Now, usually I try and make find a buzzer that, that's um, loud and a funny quote from this from the film. The problem is, is that Casino Royale doesn't have very many loud comments in it. <laughs> so the only one that I can think of was when uh, Mads Mikkelsen turns around and he goes, "But you are so wrong," <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a bit unfortunate because actually that would have been so much better if I'd have said that when you got the wrong question wrong. Yes, but I can't do it. <laughs> so, so we are going to use that because otherwise we'd just be saying something like "skewered" or something like oh. that. <laughs> so um, ego. Ego, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bold. there's five questions. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so is everything all right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've I, I, I said something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. Story of the show. Don't worry about it. Let it out. Just blastering James. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I will just give permission to whoever I hear say that first. So question one: What is the name of the MI6 section chief that Bond is sent to kill at the beginning of the film? 
have a look at my notes. <laughs> it's not in my notes, I've got my notes right in front of me and it's, there's no mention, I mustn't have noticed. Can't read my own writing. <laughs> it's the first scene of the film, so it's obviously in like, the tenth page of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> but you were so wrong! <laughs> Go on, Tom. I, I did cheat, I'm afraid, John, so you don't have to give me a point, but I think it's Dryden. You know what? Yeah. For research, I'm going to give you the point because uh, Harry didn't put it on his notes, so it shows. Yeah, I yes. Yeah. I'm meant to be the host, so that should go without saying <laughs> One point to Tom. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Okay. Uh, number two. What kind of love knot is Vesper's necklace? But you are so uh, wrong! Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> go on, Matt. Um, I think, is it Algerian? It is an Algerian love knot, yes. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, question three. Blo- Bond, not blonde. Uh, Bond. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Bond blows up the embassy of which fictional country? But you are so wrong. Go on, Harry. Is it Madagascar? Did you say yeah, fictional country? <laughs> Sorry, I've, uh, I've just, I've just, I've just heard you say that in my head. Now you said fictional country. No, completely ignore me. Uh, the I am so country wrong. From the film Madagascar, yeah. That's when they made it up from. Shared universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea. Pass, I'm afraid, John. Okay, it's a Nambutu. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, so it's Nambutu. One, one. Zero, zero, zero. Uh, question four. Uh, what Double hand o. does Bond win the poker game with? And it's not left or right. Oh, <laughs> that's all I could say, yeah. Oh, great, <laughs> Is it his foot? <laughs> it's little finger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, oh. Wait, so oh. wrong. Oh. Go on, James. Is it a royal flush? It's not. You are so wrong, unfortunately. I think. But um, you are uh, so but wrong. But you are so wrong. Go on, Matt. Oh. Uh, is it a sh- straight flush? It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know the terms, you see, but I. I I was going to say... Is that all it is? Hand. Straight flush? A straight flush is the correct like answer. I was just going to say a, a six, eight, seven, and an eight, five. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I, I'm not That's a poker eight. player, but I think a royal flush is better, surely. But is that right, James? I'm, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Well, I don't we'll think we'll this ask... film is, to be perfect. <laughs> 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 we'll have to ask Stephen Carter. I was just about to say uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the win, or the draw, if uh, Tom gets it, what is the name of the one-eyed villain who appears in Venice? But you are so wrong. Go on, Matt. Is it Gettler? It is Gettler, yes. (laughs) Gettler, that. Because I think I saw his name referenced on uh, Bond Twitter a few weeks ago, and then uh, on on the film... um, at the end, when Bond, read, Bond reads uh, Vesper's phone, I think it says it's from Gettler, like me <laughs> in 30 minutes. I thought it was quite funny, like, saved. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether his name's saved in a phone or, you know. <laughs> no code. No, no, no. no. So, uh, Math takes the win in one of his Well done, Matthew. Great stuff. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, John. I think we should have maybe stretched that game out over, like, 45-minute session. <laughs> and uh, inserted it with the occasional fight. <laughs> Sorry, that's a reference to the poker game. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> very classy. It's very good. Such yeah. a, it would have been a very, very classy 45-minute quiz, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a few fades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few showers. Yeah. <laughs> One of us nearly dies. Three yeah. Yeah. Lads, this is obviously a loaded Bond film, and we recently, well, not recently now, but before Christmas, we released our Bond films in order of like the six, the six really 007 guys. We averaged out their marks, and Casino Royale. I'm at the time of writing, it hasn't appeared in the overall Twitter ranking of all the Bond films on Twitter, but it it's going to be in the top two, I reckon. I think it could be the Martin Campbell as the top two very well, <coughs> and. We had it 19th. Now, that that <laughs> yeah. obviously caused extreme hurt, upset from these, these uh, Casino Royale fans. John, oh, though, John <laughs> named it third. So, he, for, first of all, if anyone's going to go after someone on the show, don't go after John. He named it third. <laughs> oh, I've only just got it. Oh, no, no. <laughs> James, you, you're not open to any abuse. You're a special guest, and we have failed to control you. He's yeah. immune. <laughs> not yet, not yet. No. Yeah. Okay. So James, it's good to get you to hear your thoughts. Like, presumably, like you say, you saw it at the cinema. Yes, and I saw it at the cinema um, with in my third year of university. That's how long Daniel Craig's been Bond for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't look old. Saw... Sorry, we're not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it with of this parish uh, Rob Parker. We both oh, went to see really? it together. Yeah, yeah. Oh right, that's I don't know if you've seen it before me, but yeah, you won't have seen I, it twice. No, possibly not. <laughs> um, but yeah, we went to see it together, and I thought we'd both had a lovely time. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought I was excited to see it. I'd enjoyed. Uh, all the trailers when my, when I found out that Martin Campbell was doing it because of my love for Goldeneye I was into that I was a big fan of Daniel Craig in Layer Cake uh, there's a moment in Layer Cake where he's messing about with a gun and he uh, he starts doing some Bond poses and things like that it's like oh right brilliant he's, he's Bond yeah that's great um, that really works for me and yeah I was excited to go and see the film and I was I really really enjoyed the film when I went to see it way back when so when he, when he was cast, were you already on side with Daniel Craig then? Which yeah, must be I'd a big advantage. In, I'd seen him in a number of different things. So, you know, he he wasn't a big star at that stage, but he was he had been in quite a significant amount of films. Um he was in one of the Tomb Raider films. Yes. Um, yeah. He was in Layer Cake. He'd obviously was in uh, Road to Perdition, which was directed yeah, by yeah, Sam Mendes. Uh, and Munich Elizabeth. as well. Kate. Did Munich did Munich come out before before this? Yeah. It's around the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the year early, I think. So he was very much an up and coming actor who people were starting to take uh take very seriously. And then Layer Cake, particularly in the UK, I don't know if it if that travelled overseas or not, but in the UK that was a really well liked film. Like every every young young guy had that in their DVD collection. I remember back in the day, and um, and yeah, I thought he was excellent in that, and I did think he would make a really good Bond based on that. So I was very excited to see this film, given who was directing and who was starring. Good. Well, I I know perhaps some people in the room weren't as keen, but I'll I'll go to John next. <laughs> we were you excited when he was cast, and this is even before we asking you what did you think of it at the time uh, no I wasn't not at all I, I was I'm I'm a very big Pierce Brosnan fan 
for all the wrongdoings of Die Another Day, Pierce Brosnan is not one of them. And I, I really felt Pierce Brosnan deserved a, another shot. Uh, I was very much in that camp. I wasn't excited about seeing this film. I, I went and saw it about two weeks after it was released, which for me, I'm usually the first <laughs> night there. I wasn't excited by it. Mm. And I think at the time it was because of Bond in general was getting a big bashing from the public. There was a um, Bonds were coming out. I, I, I'm, I'm first to say I like the Bond films a lot. You know, I was, um, and they were, Bond just wasn't very popular in the media at that point. And actually, I was a bit disappointed when I heard the reviews that this is great, it's very much like Jason Bourne. I was a bit disappointed by that because I do think that James Bond is the most iconic thing out of everything and should not try and be Jason Bourne. It should be James Bond and the best version of that. So when I watched it, my, my thoughts of it were, this is a brilliant film, but it's not a brilliant Bond film. And that was my thought for the best part of ten years, I'd say. That I would I, I always thought this is a quality made film, but this does just not feel like a Bond film. However, I'd say about five years ago. So I would always rank it around mid table, fifteenth, something like that. And then a few years ago I watched it again and I was just like blown away, thinking, hang on a minute, this all fits into place now. This to me is actually setting up what should have happened after it does have bond traits it doesn't have the bond traits that i had seen and i had grown up with in terms of pierce brosnan but it does have a lot of bond traits especially when you compare some of the bond traits to some of the connery stuff and the adaptation and actually my love for this film has just grown and grown and grown to the point that it's my third favorite bond film now you say that obviously the comparisons were there with Bourne, but i think when I watched it, particularly this last time, I really didn't see as much of the no, resemblance at all. I think that's a, a red herring, and I think Quantum is far more. I agree. That of that breed, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think Honor Majesties is a clear influence, isn't it? As well. I mean, we'll, we'll go into in terms of the the arc of the story, falling in love, and whether that draws him away from the mission. The dwelling a little bit on that, but we will, we, you know, we will go back into that. Um, Right, I'm sorry, right, Matt's been waiting in the wings to just give us his first glimpse into his feelings. What? <laughs> I, I mean, we all, the pickups were a little bit worried. Well, we were worried after we saw the second half of the <coughs> end of the day, of course, but we were then, <laughs> yeah. we were the casting first of all, Matt. Well, without, I'm, I really don't want to go on for ages, but <laughs> obviously growing up, absolutely love Bond films. We made our own, you know, we, we watched them religiously. Uh, I remember in when I was 10 doing a, you know, we had to do a like little presentation at school on something we loved, and I did James James Bond, and I had uh, had like the Golden Eye, like a book about Golden Eye. Do you remember? We oh had yeah, that? brilliant. Um, and then also like those uh, A View to a Kill posters that James had from Smith's Crisps. That mm, yes. So absolutely obsessed. Um, and then so when when the films came out, this is before like you know the in- the internet really. You know, you'd hear a few things about what it's called and who's doing the theme song these things would suddenly be be released but i remember that i i don't think i was as gripped about the die another day pre-production and you know i heard madonna i I felt maybe i'd lost a bit of not not love but a bit of control over the city and this sounds ridiculous but because i was such a big bond fan and i would be the ones i'd be the one in my you know amongst my friendship group telling them about bond films 
I had some control over it somehow. I know that sounds strange. So then when, when we saw Dine of the Day, I could tell that it was bad. You know, it, <laughs> a lot of it was bad. <laughs> but I thought, well, I thought there were some redeeming features. <laughs> yeah. I thought there were some redeeming features about it. But what? But I, I, I'm trying to remember whether, you know, like in the opening scene of Goldeneye, um, where he dives off the, um, the side of the mountain, off the motorbike and into the plane. I remember all my friends, you know, laughing at that. How ridiculous, how ridiculous. So in some ways, I think I thought with Die Another Day, well, it's just a bit, a bit more of that. How ridiculous, how ridiculous that I'll have to defend to my friends. But I think the damage that that did, that film did, was something that, you know, they could never, they, they had to go back to basics and, and go for a dark thing. But then I think the fact that they'd, they'd sacked Pierce Brosnan off, not very nicely, didn't sit well with me. And then Daniel Craig, I didn't really know much about him. And I saw not so much his hair colour. I'm not bothered about the blonde, but his face. I, I, you know, I, didn't yeah, face really much I know it sounds stupid, but <laughs> yeah, like I, I, it just didn't look, he didn't look like James Bond to me. So, mm. it, you know, I feel bad for saying it, but so he wasn't off to a great start with me. Then when they said they were doing a reboot, obviously on the back of Batman Begins, I think I was thinking, well, it's a bit of a bit of a copy, you know, they're, they're going down, down that road. So I wasn't, crazy about seeing it but of course you know i love bond i wanted to see it and and you know it had it had good reviews um when we get so, a bit excited when we heard martin camels on the board and then we liked yes. the theme tune when that before yes. it came out as well yeah and uh, and those were really promising things and are really good things by the way both of those things and i remember during the first half of it thinking you know what was i worried about like really you know it's really enjoyable with some great action scenes and stuff and yeah, absolutely fine. And then I think I lost a bit of patience with it in the second, and I felt like, hang on, this isn't what this isn't Bond film that I, you know, this isn't what I've grown up with and what I I enjoy from a Bond film. And then, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> I still have some of these thoughts, but the fact that the end has no main villain, I, I was just like, hang on, now action films don't do this. What's going on? And so by the time when it came to the, you know, at the end, John, J- Bond, James Bond, I think loads of people were like, whoa, yeah, wow, now, you know, wow, what an amazing end and a setup. And I think I, was, I felt a bit cold. I, I think I, I remember sending a message to, to my mate saying like, first half, four out of five, second half, two out of five or something like that. I found it and I still find it quite a difficult film to watch. There's like, it's not, it's not an easy watch in places. There's quite some quite for a Bond film, some quite distressing, dis, I can't say, <laughs> distressing things, more so than something like *Licence to Kill*, in my opinion. Like, you know, blooded faces and like the torture scene, and I don't know, just you know, other things that we'll come on to. And so, it's not a film that I've really wanted to go back to regularly. And maybe that's maybe that's been a bad thing because I've always had that what I originally thought in my mind, if you know what I mean. And then. Um, I've watched it a few times since and been able to appreciate things in it, but it's one I, where I could appreciate why people really liked it. But for me, it wasn't it wasn't really a Bond film. And I know that we'll, we will go into this in more later, perhaps, but it it set a, a different sort of trajectory for the series as well. Harry, look at you waiting as well. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm happy to wait because it gives me a few more minutes to work out what I'm going to say. Yeah, um, obviously we grew up in the same house as children, so a lot of our opinions would bounce off each other and end up with a similar conclusion, kind of. So me, Math and Tom's brothers 
saw things through the same lens on a lot of uh, the on the bonds on when it came to Bond, what we wanted, what we loved, and what we were threatened by. I suppose you know what what we didn't like coming on the horizon. That did. I, I wasn't overly enamoured by the the casting of Craig purely based on what he looked like because I hadn't seen anything other than Tomb Raider with him in, and only retrospectively did I realise he was in Tomb Raider. So he hadn't made any impact on me when he was cast. And I remember being in the sixth form uh, common room at school, being on the news, him sort of arriving on the boat, and quite a lot of people being like, what on earth? You know, <laughs> nobody really saw, nobody saw much in him. But then, yeah, the song was released, and I'd, also the trailer was released, and the trailer looked really promising. Um, and we were sort of starting to bend a little bit. I remember, I don't know if you remember, Tom, we had friends around, and we went up to your bedroom, I seem to remember, Tom, and watched the trailer on loop a few that. times, like, whoa! And it had that car flip, and we're like, my word, this is looking good. And you could sort of see that M- M- Martin Campbell sheen on it, and, and you know, we're thinking, actually, this doesn't look like too much of a departure. Yeah, when we saw it with Rob, the trailer, and he was like, this looks so good. And you always know there's that killer set piece that they leave out of the trailer at the end. And of course, there wasn't one. Yeah. Yes. That's, well, that's a bit of the. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, a little bit of actual excitement building um, towards the film um, and when it came out my obviously I'd, I'd seen Batman Begins and become really obsessed with that idea of rebooting and grounding things in reality so I, like I've said on this episode I wasn't that surprised that Bond wanted to follow that formula after Die Another Day because even though I see quite a lot of redeeming features in Die Another Day there's no doubt that they needed to just change direction um, it's just a case of how much direction they needed to change. That's a debate. Um, but yeah, when it came to Casino Royale, very much like Math said, um, like it was like, oh, this is this is good. Loads of action. It's glossy. It's uh, it feels safe and um, everything like that. But then I remember it hitting that point. I don't know if it is the midway point really. There's just after midway where it just. It goes downhill for me. Well, it, it did go downhill for me uh, watching it, and I, th- and I just lost all interest in the plot. I didn't quite know what was going on. I'd, I'd, I think the poker game had lost me, and then everything afterwards kind of dragged. Um, and then, so I was a little bit let down by it, and then all the subsequent Craig films that followed kind of led to me not wanting to revisit Casino Al much. And I agree with what Math said in terms of it's not not the one that you'd, you'd revisit casually at all. It's not one that you could, um, you know, watch with your slippers on, kind of. It's 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 pretty deep and, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's deep in a good way. I'm saying it's, you know, it's a bit, it's quite intense <laughs> is the word, sorry. Um, but then, you know, we've done this podcast and we've done this ranking system and, it, you know, it's becoming more and more apparent to me that I haven't seen this film in a long, long time. And I saw it as a as a young lad who won't have understood the plot fully. I, I will have seen it a, a few times afterwards, um, but you know my taste in film has changed since I first saw it, and I've um, I appreciate different things now, and I'm also more aware of directions that films need to go in and things like that. So I thought, you know, I've I've got to revisit this, and you know we've got a like a, a community of us Bond fans on social media and. All the Bond fans love it, so surely I'm. It's just me being immature and not quite entering into it, not giving it a fair fair crack. So yeah, I watched it. It when you told me that I'd be doing this episode, Tom. I you know, I watched it and had a long session watching it, noting it down, noting every you know loads of things down. 
once again, yeah, I was the the the. the the first, the opening. Sorry if I'm I'm going on. I mean, there's no uh, way for me to put this into a succinct little um, sentence. But I was really happy. I thought I, 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 we'll go into it detail. But I didn't think the opening sequence was much to talk about. Um, but the, from the from the opening um, the credit sequence on for the next half an hour, forty five minutes after that, I thought you know this is slick action. It's lovely to look at. Great locations. I can just about see what. Craig's trying to do with Bond. I can I can just about get on board with it, um, and in fact I am getting on board with it. And then um, <laughs> I was getting bored of it um, when the poker game started. The, the the poker game kind of started, and the same thing happened to me um, that it, that I remember. I just it, everything slowed down, and then after the poker game, like we talked about, how from Russia with love, it has the helicopter scene, the little five minute scene tagged on. The end. This this seems like a so it felt like three hours tagged on at the end, kind of, um, where oh. it just really grinds to a halt. Um, but the thing is, that there are load, there are lots of good stuff in this that I enjoyed. Like I say, there's some really good action set piece and everything, and I understand the excitement of restarting a franchise, the excitement of recasting and having another attempt at something. The comparison that keeps coming, the like analogy that keeps coming in my head about Casino Royale is, and I'm. I'm I really apologise for being vul- for, for being vulgar, but it basically sums up my opinion on the film. But it feels like it felt like a husband who got bored of his wife um, and wanted an exciting uh, wanted to, wanted to be unfaithful and exciting for a film. You know, there, there's loads of good stuff probably about being unfaithful. I am, you know, and all that. Um, I'm not mad. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I know this is really strange. Um, but then the moments of clarity, I imagine, come towards the end of being unfaithful. And then ever since you are clambering to bring it back to the, the happy marriage that you had and you can't bring it back. I think even though lots of good stuff does happen in this film, the damage it's done to Bond's character is that it's left, you know, it's, it's you know, you can't bring it back really now after Casino Royale. And, that, and that's a little bit how I feel with The Force Awakens from the Star Wars uh, trilogy, you know, the the recent Star Wars trilogy, you know that yes, it's all very well and good, and it's exciting to do these things. But where does it lead? What's what's the overall vision? And it and it didn't feel if there might have been an overall vision, and actually by the end I could see that there might have been something that followed Casino Royale that might have worked. But it, 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 Casino Royale led the Bond franchise down a really dark tunnel. I think it all started with this this excitement of Casino Royale. And that's my opinion in a, a nutshell. I'm so sorry if I've gone on. And I don't want to be negative. And uh, that's just how, where I see it and its place in, in the franchise. This is a very difficult time in Harry's... Personal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, t- needed this podcast as some sort of therapy. But goodness me, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 it just, it, for some reason, the analogy just... It just... Seems that's what it is, you know. It's all very, it comes from that attitude of, you know, that's all very well and exciting, but look at the damage it's doing, kind of. Um, what I imagine, you know, with, with an affair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good job Lydia doesn't listen to me. <laughs> We're not making ourselves more attractive to women, I don't think, by going on and on and on. <laughs> 
wardrobe choices in Roger Moore's seventies films. Anyway, (laughs) thank you, Harry. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to add my own views on this as we go along. All I do remember, though, when we did watch it at the cinema, was pretty much the same experience as as Maff and Harry. But I remember, I think it was the whole Lake Como sequences. I just remember looking around in the cinema, and the kids there were just playing, running around. Absolutely bored stiff with this this film they were, they were watching, you know, because it it's not a kids' film. You don't take kids to Bond. Well, no, well, not well, little kids. The Roger Moore ones were were getting tailored too much, perhaps you could say, towards kids. But and dying of the day, I I reckon kids would love that film, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, that's not so, yeah. that is not yeah, that's not, not a really good thing at all. Um, but it just it just struck me that like you've lost. <laughs> It's losing, and Rob will go on and on about this. That it's losing that aspirational quality. But th- that was mm. my opinion at the time. It might have changed. We don't know. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. The producers decided against continuing with Pierce after his four-picture contract ended with Die Another Day. He only stood down in 2004, two years after that film, which again showed that he was pushed out, effectively. Uh, he wasn't uh, immediately sort of given short shrift as soon as the film came out. It was, of course, Pierce's suggestion that the next film should be a grittier, more Fleming-esque story. Now, after a widespread casting call involving apparently over 200 different names, Daniel Craig was announced as the sixth actor to play Bond in October 2005. I don't know whether you know this, but other names in the frame at the time, we had E.R.'s Goran Vizhny. Ah, <laughs> later appear with Craig in uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Brilliant. I was going to ask somebody that. That's, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Great trivia, James. Well <laughs> Brilliant. Wow. Superb. And do you know the main reason why he wasn't chosen? I don't, know. Not from the British Isles? He couldn't, master, he couldn't master the British accent, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, think he's, I thought he was American. I know he's Croatian descent, but I Is thought he, Anyway. He couldn't, he couldn't master the accent, yeah. Another actor who couldn't uh, make the screen test because of, he was filming something else, Carl Urban. Ooh, Dread himself. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. From one from one superior to another. Oh, not I Bond. could see that, to be super. honest. He's got the, he's got the look and uh, he's a big burly guy, yeah. isn't he? Which is clearly what they were going for with this. What had he done by that point? What had he... Lord of the Rings, in? maybe? Yeah, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Uh, Doom? Maybe. Doom, uh, that's all I'm with, thinking. I, I could only uh, think of Doom, yeah. With The Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's all I could think. He still yeah. looks probably <laughs> the right age to be Bond even now, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't know I've why never even considered him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, wow. Fair one. Two other names considered at the time. Avatar's Sam Worthington. <laughs> and uh, Dougray <laughs> Scott, the, the uh, villain in one of the best films I've ever seen, Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> He's goading again. I'm just telling you how it is. know how good that is. But I don't know. What do you think about those two? I'm not yeah, it is. It is a cracker. To be fair, do Grace Scott? I can see a bit more than Sam Worthington, but still not. I don't know. I just can't see that. That sort of them him being like, a, you know, someone fronting a. A franchise as such as this, I just can't. Maybe can't Scott in this film, maybe he's a bit more gritty, isn't he? And dour. <laughs> I remember my history teacher at school, who I got on really well with, um, who was really into films and absolutely loved Bond. But 
in that period in between where they were thinking about casting, he was really uh, bidding for Do Grey Scott to be uh, to fill the role. Uh, yeah, so that I hadn't considered it at the time, and even at the time, I was a little bit unsure, like who who's Do Grey Scott, and then looked him up, and yeah, yeah. like you say, I don't. Like you say, you know, a face that would be on posters and leading a franchise, I'm not as sure, perhaps. Poor <clears throat> Dougree Scott, there's so many sliding doors moments in oh, his right. life where he could have been a massive um, star. Oh, no. He, you know, he was he was cast as Wolverine in oh. the original oh. X-Men, but, but Mission Impossible 2 ran over, so he oh. couldn't do it. It was worth it. <laughs> 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 how, how many subsequent films have there been with Wolverine? Is it like eleven yeah. appearances? Or you something? might have made a bit of money with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jackman only hung the claws up like two years ago, didn't yeah, he? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. You know, there's a oh, parallel Dougray. universe where Dougree Scott is the biggest star in the world. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it would be slight, you know, babyishly Scottish and trying to be a bit more like Connery. I don't know. Mm. But still, yeah, probably better than Sam Williamson though. No offense. Uh, the the other name in the frame, weirdly, was Henry Cavill. But he was only twenty two then. But I think that was when they I were thinking that. about going really young, uh, because of course it was a reboot. They thought they'd start him. I mean, I I think he had he just young, been in? Surely, he? Had he been in Count of Monte Cristo? Like yeah, Tudor, around Tudor's, that time. Although that might have been a bit later, actually. Um, yeah, I don't. He Obviously, his good looks. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you're right. If if they were thinking about going younger, then perhaps. But he's now in the frame for this new yeah. Bond. You know, for what do you the, think the next about Bond. Him now, isn't James, it? for for Bond, what would you say to that? Oh, he'd be good. He'd be really good. Uh, I think, though, to be fair, when it comes to Bond, I always like it when they go with someone who's a little less known. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I think. Um, I mean, my a, a shout from me. I'd go with like Dan Stevens, you know, from the guest. I know you're um, a big fan. Yeah, yeah, and just because in that film he's really got the action uh, chops down, and then with regards the um, his background in with Downton Abbey, he can do you know upper crust Sean. English as well. So yeah, he he can master the British guy. accent, can't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he can. Absolutely. I think he, that might be in his wheelhouse. Yeah. For sure. Have you seen him in Eurovision? Have you seen him in Eurovision? He's great. Oh, he's brilliant. So yeah. He's incredible in that comedy. Yeah, yeah, comedy role. <clears throat> interesting well, we might, show. Really interesting show. The next Bond, I'm sure we will when finally No Time to Now has come out. And <laughs> That's never coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day we're like, yeah, it's been out, mate. You've not seen it. Yeah, it was out on the OD. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not telling anyone. It's on iPlayer if you want to watch it. <laughs> Listen to this. This will make you love Daniel Craig's fans. Will make you love him even more. He initially rejected the chance to be Bond uh, because he felt the series had descended into formula. I imagine this gets him off to a bad start with you guys to probably get going. I'm, I'm going. To be fair, you know, this was after Dine of the Day and, you know. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Yeah. You know, if you'd said that about Timothy Dalton, like, yeah, you know, that's fair enough. I can understand where he's coming from. Like, when you say about Daniel yeah, yeah. Craig, like, oh. They actually man. respect yeah. him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Who does he yeah. think he is? <laughs> <laughs> At least there's a bit of self-awareness here. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah it's all... he apparently changed his mind when, he, when he'd read the scripts. British talk show host Jonathan Ross interviewed Daniel Craig ahead of the film's premiere. So I was delighted when it was announced that you would be taking on the role. Of course, uh, a big decision, and one which I believe initially when you offered Bond, you, you were reluctant to accept. Uh, yeah, I, well, yes, I was. I kind of walked away from it at first because it was, uh, it was, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, and I didn't see myself doing it. It was as simple as that. So. But why did you not see yourself doing it? Why, as an actor? As Just a, as an actor, I'd never sort of imagined it. I'd never envisaged myself playing it. So I, I, I was kind of thought they were... I genuinely thought they were having a bit of a giggle, weren't they? Because you didn't think you were handsome enough? I, don't, I just, I really didn't know, you know, didn't sort of, wasn't on my radar at all. Is it because the kind of Bond movies they'd be making weren't the sort that you would be happy making? Because it's a very different sort of Bond movie. I knew that once I'd made the decision to make it that we had to do something different and I wasn't going to get involved unless we did something like that, like Casino Royale. Yeah. And now we've got a sort of chance to sort of push that on a bit. In preparation, you read all the Fleming novels, very... You know, trendy thing to do, to be fair, but you would, surely? I mean, you can... um, yes. Yeah. yeah, and then he, he said he really cared about it, he wanted to be Bond. So he, t- he said he took his inspiration as well, it, well, from looking at Mossad and British Secret Service agents who were advisors on his film uh, Munich at the time by speaking to them and trying to get into that spy mindset. I saw it again, actually, recently. It I think it improves every time, I think. Quality film, yeah. One of those un- under overlooked Spielberg films. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So, but you could say Bond actors have all arguably had successful debuts. Of course, Sean set the ball rolling with Doctor No, and you know, he's, like I keep saying, he's never been improved upon uh, for his portrayal of Bond. George Lazby only had one film, but quite rightly now that's seen as a one of the very best. I know he's not perhaps regarded as the best Bond, but. It's a 100% record, as John would say, for one out of one. Ain't bad. And then we had Roger, who I know Harry's a, a massive fan of Live and Let Die and his performance of that. And, <laughs> well, no, we, we all love him, but he doesn't always get as much credit for his debut for some reason. But it massively... He really should. He really should. a massive should. success at the box office and critically compared to Honor Majesty's there at the time. So, it's a great performance. Yeah, yeah and taking it on from Connery, you know... <laughs> Daring to do something ever so slightly different. Yeah. He, I think he deserves so much credit for that debut. Well, more credit than he's getting. <clears throat> Until the man with the golden gun, and then he was meant to be like Connery again. But anyway. That's, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Timothy Dalton, of course, he, he was the classic, oh, I'll try and get it down to the Fleming novels, down to earth, and you know his performance in Living Die Light. Daylight. <laughs> Daylight. Daylight's my way. Daddy Dyer's the Where's the usual man? <laughs> Dear, be shocking, it? But anyway, yeah. Let me you know somewhere there is a there is a audition tape of Danny Dyer auditioning oh, for Bond. Without a doubt, every English actor will have been, with any kind of clout will have put been oh, on tape so for that. What would you give to see that? <laughs> 
That's what he said. Release the Danny Dyke. Yeah. That's what he said in his audition tape for EastEnders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're just doing the same character again? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just to keep doing that. Martini, shaking, <laughs> not stirred. <laughs> I couldn't win the poker, I was pissed out me nut. <laughs> well, my watch this, uh, Danny Diabon. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good, yeah. Yeah, yeah Pierce's performance as well in Goldeneye again. What a brilliant debut oh. it was. Ooh. I think we all agree. It's his best Bond film. I know we're all big, bigging up uh, The World Is Not Enough recently, but an irresistible start for, for that. So. You know, pretty much every Bond who's ever been has had a good reception when they first came into the role, which I thought I'd mention. Because some of us might agree and not agree, Craig was the only one who probably had a bit more weight on his shoulders because, of course, he had the negative public reaction uh, to being cast. Now, I know maybe you could say George Lazenby was on a hiding to nothing coming after Connery, and that probably didn't help him. But here, in the internet age, there was... I mean, we we were probably trolling him as well. No, I'm doing the joke. Uh, there was a you know <laughs> website on the da- Daniel Craig is not Bond dot com. We had apparently the Daily Mirror. Listen to this, Daily Mirror. Ran- you set that up, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't pay for the baby. Yeah, somebody else took it. Uh, yeah, apparently the Daily Mirror ran a, a front page critique of him entitled. <laughs> this is you know separate criticism. The name's Bland, James Bland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't know what that so was. Hard. I, I, he, he, can you remember, like when he was unveiled? It was on that sort of mini oh. boat thing on the Thames, and he had sort of long, dirty blonde hair and a life curtains. Jacket, yeah, and everyone was like, "What is going on?" You know, well, get... he was clearly shooting Munich at the time. Yeah, it's it? true. So... That's true. <laughs> Again, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's the, the reason for that. Yeah. Um, they did put him on a hiding to nothing because I remember that uh, he had a little life jacket on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. didn't sell him like, properly. Oh, Bond wouldn't have a life jacket. What? what? I don't think. I don't think that hair was terrible, though. No. Was it? In my, was it? Uh, He's got no, his buzz cut in Skyfall. Oh, well, I think that's. I think that's my favourite okay, of his. Okay, well. Actually, yeah, yeah. The genius I think, of James sorry, Bond. Yeah, we all love different aspects of, of different things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, after that sort of hot reception. He, he was in almost in for a hiding to nothing. We will now move on to the story. We're racing through this film. This is going all right. <sighs> so it was. We said that about Mamma the Golden Gun. <clears throat> Goodness me, that took a long time. Cutting room floor by the time it's been released. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, in terms of the Fleming novels, they'd they'd run out since Living Daylights, and that was only uh, part of one of the short stories. So that was back in 1987. After that, they were all from License to Kill onwards. They were all new novels. But because uh, of the rights issue with Casino Royale and um, the works of Spectre and all that with Kevin McClory, that was all ongoing in the background and they weren't allowed to film it. Of course, we had, we've already had, well, there were two previous, weren't there? Two previous adaptations of the novel Casino Royale. The 1953 one. Which is, I think, is like a T. A t um, sorry, the the book was written in 1953, but the 1954 TV version apparently it was like a live episode of some American anthology series. How weird is that? And it's it's always one of those annoying film questions, isn't it? Who was the first actor to play Bond? Oh, Sean Connery. No, some guy called Barry Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> 
on the big screen if it says that it's, it's sure so yeah we have that and in terms of the book <laughs> sorry yeah well, just, well we mentioned the 1967 spoof spoof version with David Niven and who was once touted as Bond uh, many other stars many other of the cast of Doctor No and pretty much everybody who was in that film was in it as well weren't they and yeah so that doesn't really count and I know I know Licence to Queer is a big fan of that but we we might get around to reviewing it we keep saying that anyway the rights did uh, eventually cede to Sony and this is quite an interesting sad uh, cinephile little fact the rights ceded to them in 1999 after Sony exchanged them for MGM's rights to Spider-Man didn't know that and that's, that's of course then we have all that about the Spider-Man rights don't we about Marvel and all that so it's all kind of linked somehow Anyway, Quite so a web. Yes, very good, very good. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> just seen that best. Yeah, so this was the first time it had been properly adapted. I mean, a proper James Bond film. And yeah, they kept the producers kept much of the story of the 1953 Fleming novel. It was his debut novel, of course. The central story was based around a card game. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, and they kept the characters Le Chiffre. Vesper, Felix, and Mathis. I know they, t- they take slightly different forms, of course, in this adaptation. Despite the dreadful reaction mm. to Purvis and Wade's Dine of the Day scripts, nope, pat on the back, lads. You, you carried on. Yeah, keep going, lads. We love your work. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, you've got to have a more serious outing. We're like, well, yeah, Pierce told you that. You know, the audience told you that. So who knows what they would have done if they were just given carte blanche. Yeah, so Broccoli and Wilson, the producers, were, were after a more realistic affair after the fantastical dine of the day. Now, Harry, what did you have for dinner today? <laughs> yeah, I, for, uh, in our WhatsApp group, I had to just post that um, before we uh, began recording this episode tonight, purely by coincidence, but um, my wife made dinner and laid on the table uh, you know, some mashed potato, peas, Yorkshire pudding and a big load of haggis. Absolutely perfect for tonight. Yeah. So James I have, I have the tedious link. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a haggis night tonight for sure. Going all out. No, I can recommend it actually. I think it's really, I think it's really worthwhile to eat haggis before before talking about Casino Ralph. I think that's maybe before listening to the podcast. Maybe some listeners should try it. It really has an effect. There won't be many toilet breaks, will there? Sorry. <laughs> no, no. It, I, by the way, I, it, haggis is absolutely delicious. Just want to make that really yeah, clear. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, Paul Haggis was the, uh, the chap who... Uh, yeah. He was brought in to obviously have to rewrite uh, much of Purvis and Wade's scripts. Trend, trendy screenwriter at the time, wasn't he? He, uh, Of course, he'd, he'd actually started in TV. Did you know that he, he created Walker, Texas Ranger and Juice South? I didn't know that, yeah. Yeah, so, I knew Walker Texas Range, range definitely. <laughs> mm. So yeah, Chuck Norris, glory years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apparently he... Uh, yeah, the first draft was very faithful to the novel. Again, spoilers here for the novel. In that, in that Vesper confessed and killed herself uh, before sending Bond to then chase after the villains. But he he was the one who decided to put her in this sinking house thing and to get Bond to both want to kill her and save her. Again, we're racing on. I mean, this is going to be hours and hours before we get to that. 
that point in the film. <laughs> no, yeah, those are big calls, aren't they? They're big, big moments in the big film. Calls. That's, that's good to know. I'm going to bring you in again on this, Harry, because of course, Haggis has given an, in, an interview where he says the producers wanted to do for Bond what Batman Begins did for Batman. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Bond begins, I think this thesis has most recently come up because Skyfall was compared to The Dark Knight, but. I think I I do think there was a general awareness at the time that Casino Royale was coming out a year after Batman Begins. There was I think there was a general feeling in cinema that people liked gritty. I I don't think it's me that will have spotted that. I don't think that's at all unique to me. Or I think you, I think a lot of casual cinema goers will have been aware of a whole feeling in the air that people were wanting to make a lot of things go back to gritty. And I think gritty even became a bit of a buzzword at the time. I'd I'd, I'd like to think that it's not just me that sees that and as you said it's that he said it himself there so um i don't think i've uh, i don't think i'm looking for it too hard i think it's i think it's reasonably in plain sight that comparison this was on the, apparently the producer's whim but they, they obviously chose haggis because recently he'd pretty much hit the big time from nowhere really uh, he did the script to million dollar baby and of course wrote and directed crash both won best picture oscars uh, he he won two Oscars, I think, for writing and and producing Crash. Uh, he got Oscars for yeah, that. Yeah, he was a producer and he produced, directed and wrote Crash. He won, uh, so he got a Best Picture Oscar for that and he did win the screenplay as well and he was nominated for Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Do we, what do we think of those Success. two films, <clears throat> dare I ask? Oh, <sighs> And Crash is pretty poor. Oh, thank it? goodness it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I tend to agree. I mean, it's widely derided as one of the worst Crash. films to ever win Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they sort of blanketed the Academy with, to make. They basically made sure that the film was seen, and some of the smaller films that were going up against it didn't have that same sort of exposure. Hmm. Um, I think it's what. You know, the Academy don't always get it right. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I don't mind Crash that much. I've only yeah, seen it the once. I didn't. Yeah. I, it yeah. Didn't. It, I didn't die with it really. But generally, I, Haggis is a is a very good screenwriter. Um, and is it always the is it always the case some of these Purvis and Wade <laughs> scripted films whereby they write an initial draft and then they go and get a more high caliber proper screenwriter? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. seems to be. It seems to be the case. Yeah. yeah. With, like they get Purvis and Wade to break the story and make it right. Okay, that'll work, and then we'll, they'll either go and get because Paul Haggis worked on Quantum as well, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Uh, until the writer strike, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then John Logan's been on the uh, been on the two Sam Mendes yeah. movies, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's good work if you can get it. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't knock him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Here's your money, lads. Go and write us a script. Right, now we'll farm it out to someone who's had some... Well, the only one they did, <laughs> claim recently. The only one they wrote just then was Dine of the Day, so I think that proves the, the rules. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. Restraints, lads, restraints. Yeah. The exception which proves the rule. Exactly, Matt. Is that is that, yes. that, exact, that phrase? Right, you said. I, that might be perfect. That's perfect, isn't it? You've learnt, we've all learnt something tonight, lads. Superb. And the thing Matthew is, as well, so I, I do have a bit of sympathy for them, because yeah. they... The Broccoli's are in charge of this franchise, aren't they? They decide which mm. way these these scripts go. Yeah, you know they're very much you know hired screenwriters to come in and go. This is what we want to do with Bond on this particular outing. Off you go, lads, go and do it. And then they'll take that script and then give it to um, you know to one of the top screenwriters working to polish it, make structural changes, 
but essentially work from the blueprint that they've laid out in the first place. I mean, I think it's really interesting you've said that, James, because my observation is actually that um, I'd say if there were strengths towards Purvis and Wade, it's actually ideas that they have. Yeah. But the problem that they have is that they can't build stories around ideas. So it would seem to me logical to actually have the screenwriter come in first to write this and then get the likes of Purvis and Wade to actually build some of their ideas into the script. Because I actually think that one of the strengths of this film is actually that um, you don't... I don't think Purvis and Wade have had to do a, a great deal in this film. All they've had to do is adapt a screenplay with Haggis and just twist certain things. So it's like add, a twin. Add, add a bit as well. Add yeah. a bit. A 21st century. Yeah. And I actually think it works better than when, like, say, Die Another Day, where they just come up with oh, nonsense. And then they get a, and then a director's hired who thinks it's the well, best. Well, yeah, director's hired yeah, as well. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's an interesting thing that I just don't think it's the right way to work with Person yeah. Wade at all. Mm. Well, it's cost as well because if you bring Paul Haggis in and go, right, here's the novel, you go away, you adapt it and do multiple drafts, his quote is probably do- two to three times what Person Wade yeah. is. Yeah, quote fair is. point. Um, that's, so, yeah. that's considering there's two of them as well. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if you if you go to one of what he would whether you think he is now at the time he was perceived as one of the top Hollywood screenwriters, you know, he just just won an Oscar, he can sort of call whatever he wants, so it's easier to bring him in when you're already got a draft that you're working from because he has to spend less time on it, which means you don't have to pay him as much. Yeah. It's mm. quite a, yeah. a dialogue heavy film, isn't it, as well? And I think that's where yeah. he his touch has helped, certainly. Because some of the dialogue is definitely not Purvis and Wade standard, is it? If you, if you, you know, looking back at die another day, <laughs> yeah, the birds, what is it? They feast. They feast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're glad it exists. And every line of Jinx. Yeah. yeah, it's the most one of the most memorable scenes in the franchise. But not necessarily for the right reason. <laughs> I thought Crash was on the nose. Goodness me. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so recently he's been, you know, he's had trouble. First of all, he's had a couple of problems with Scientology. He was, uh, he was involved with that for many years and that ended in acrimony. And he's, he's actually, if you've seen the Going Clear documentary, which is brilliant, he's, he gives a lot of interviews in that about his pretty horrific yeah. experiences with that. And quite recently he's had uh, multiple sexual misconduct accusations. Oh, that's where he's gone. Yeah. Right. Accusations, nothing, nothing's happened yet, but that's been going on for a few years, rumbling in the background. And I, yeah, so that's temporarily halted his career at the moment anyway. You know, when they were choosing the director, of course, do you know which famous director expressed an interest in adapting Casino Royale? And he says he gave them the idea, gave the producers the idea. Yes. Yeah, you, you mentioned this, didn't you, in Golden Gun? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Quinton Tarantino, as Ian Pickett would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but apparently he says that you know the producers weren't interested in that. He, he, didn't he, he, sorry, Tom, didn't he want Brosnan? Yes, he did. It, That's where yeah. he said he'd set in the sixties, which would be quite interesting, I suppose, if having a reboot. But but then he still have Brosnan's Bond, so I don't really know. I mean, he must. 
He also <laughs> wanted it to be an R-rated Bond yeah, as well, yeah. which is you know he wanted it to be a Quentin Tarantino Bond essentially. Yeah. So he was going to do he was going to ca- uh, carry on with Brosnan, and but I think his argument was that if they took it back to the sixties, they can sort of take it out of the continuity of what they've been doing anyway. So he could use Brosnan, who mm, he liked yeah. Bond, um, and then do an adaptation of this novel as as it was set essentially. Although it's set in the fifties, isn't it? I think the novel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then do a Tarantino version of that, but they were never going to go for that because that's not going to make. You know, we're talking about a huge commercial property here, um, and while Tarantino movies make a lot of money, and that would have done absolutely fine at the box office, it's not going to be hitting the core audience, yeah. which is you know everyone for a, for a Bond movie. It'd always be a one-off as well, wouldn't it? He's not. It he's not going to do loads, yeah. is he? So no, it's. I mean, it would it would have been interesting, but it would have been interesting oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's always nice to hear of directors that are interested and have an idea for the Bond series, though, isn't it? Whether you agree with it or not, it's always nice that there are filmmakers who've got ideas and ways that they portray things. Well, the producers are never going to let them, are they? You know, it's it's like you have to do it our way. That's or, it. Or that's it. The high, our way of the highway, isn't it? And so Purvis and Wade are, are there. <laughs> in. <laughs> I love. Is it Chris? Chris's uh, theory that you know, <laughs> Purvis and Wade have got some dirt on Broccoli and Wilson, and <laughs> <laughs> oh bless them, they get a really tough time, don't they? Here, um, but I mean, they're, they're doing all right for themselves. They are. They? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about them. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the inventor Johnny. English. I've seen Johnny English. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, I'm happy. Yeah, so. In in light of Cray's casting, of course, he was then linked to Matthew Vaughan because, of course, he pretty much made his name with Layer Cake. And he's, Matthew Vaughan claims he was offered the gig, but the producers say that, uh, no, no, didn't happen, so someone's lying. <laughs> yeah. Again, that would be interesting, maybe, Matthew. I don't know. A few years ago, I would have said that would have been brilliant, but I've, I've, I've not really jived with the, with the King no. films. No, and things like not that, at so. all. But yeah, I think at one stage, like I, I like Layer Cake. I think Stardust is a really underrated yeah. movie. Kickass is good. The first Kingsman's all right, to be fair. Yeah, just um, like him. Yeah. Oh, and the X Men movie that he made was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Which is probably the most Bond out of all the movies. Yeah, it is. Yeah, made. it is. Yeah, including Kingsman films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> Fastbender, another potential Bond. Could do a lot worse. Say that. The producers were thought, oh, we'll go through all these names and then uh, who's good at getting a first-time uh, debut of a Bond right and brilliant? Well, it's Martin Campbell, isn't it? So he initially was was like a bit reticent to come back, but I think once they said it's a different Bond and it's new ideas, he was much more interested when they said that. They acknowledged, like we say, there's too much reliance on CGI effects. They wanted to do stunts the old-fashioned way. That I think they probably would have done that Regardless of the whole Bourne influences at the time, I think there's no option but to go. Death Especially death. after Die Another Day. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we couldn't believe when we were watching it at the cinema, Die Another Day, we couldn't believe it, could we, when all these windsurfing and all that was going on. And oh, it's the funniest thing. I've I know it's, 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 <laughs> it's funny to look back on now, but it was like, well, you're like you say, James, like when you'd seen 40 minutes of a fairly standard, gritty ish Bond, it was like, what? Yeah. It's good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Martin Campbell's probably, I know Calvin Dyson, he chose him as, he thinks he's been the best Bond director. And certainly these two films are critically 
among well, it must be in the top five Bond films. I would have thought, and amongst fans, yeah, and fans, yeah. So he's a good lad, and he was actually offered to do more following Goldeneye, but he that's why he said he at the time he felt the plots were a bit limiting, and he just wanted to keep working with new actors. So that's why he was, you know, tempted by the return. He became the oldest ever Bond director, sixty-two. Born in New Zealand, but he moved to Britain in the 70s. And he started with sex comedies. Oh. And then, yeah, he, he got his big break with the Edge <laughs> of Darkness series, which they, yeah. they remade into you know the Mel Gibson uh, film, which he directed. It was slightly disappointing. Yeah, he won, a, he won a BAFTA for his work on the TV series, Best Director, which also had Joe, Joe Non-Baker in, who, who played a couple of roles in, in James Bond films, yeah. I was just looking at his back catalogue after that. Some like, a couple of legal thrillers, Criminal Law and Defenseless, two of the worst named films you could ever. They <laughs> 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 had quite some good actors in them, though. I mean, I had no idea what's happened to them. They're not, not mentioned or anything. They, they sound like Channel stuff. Five programs. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Anyway, the previous film he'd done before Goldeneye was No Escape. Still haven't seen that with um, Ray Liotta. It's like a dystopian. Sci-fi, which got him the gig, but I don't know how they knew he'd be so good. And then in between the two Bond films, of course, he did the Zorro films, which I think are fantastic. The first one in particular, yeah, is yeah. excellent. He's got yeah, it really, really is. Good. They are gold standard. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I can't, I can't wait for Marty Campbell to come back." Oh, I love, I love the Mask of Sorrow. Like, well, the Legend of Zorro was his previous film. It was only like a year before. <laughs> Oh, and then uh, Green Lantern, of course, though. <laughs> was Green Lantern before? Green Lantern's after. It was after, after. Right? Yeah. After. Yeah, I mean... I've not gone there. I've yeah. not gone there, is it? Not, not great. I, no. I can't make head and tail of these type of films. I don't really understand them. But they're all, they're all the old ones. <laughs> I thought it was actually very similar to the, a lot of the more newer comedic Marvel films, because I only just saw Yeah, it. is it not? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it's like, but it was before all that. Well, was I think you'll find that Green Lantern is a DC character. Well, yeah. yeah. The tone. <laughs> the tone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, no, Vertical Limit, which which reteamed with oh, yeah. um, oh. Skorokko. That's a crap. Oh, one. yeah, of course. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, we've often talked about doing that one on the podcast. Oh, yes, James. Yeah. Oh, please. It does, yeah. <laughs> oh. I love that film. I love that film. I'd forgotten that, that he directed it, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I'd yeah, like I to float that one, see if we can get yeah. that on. Please do. <laughs> Babishly saw it. It was on TV on our honeymoon in Nepal, which is quite childish. <laughs> <laughs> Every set out the window. No, no, Blimey. no. Just watch... Uh, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah. Martin Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he then did 2003 Beyond Borders. Has anyone heard of this film? It's a romantic drama about foreign aid workers, starring Angelina Jolie and Clive Owen. Oh wow! James Horner wow. score again. What, if you can find these films, then oh. was Clive <laughs> Owen not in the frame for Casino? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yes, he was. Yes. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Well, I think Bland definitely would have. <laughs> Yeah, featured as a headline for that. I know you gave him a good, rightly, a good write-up for Children of Men in in that episode, uh, James. Yeah, but he, he's fine. He's he's solid. He's he's a solid actor. Um, I don't know if it, if that. He's not inspiring. I don't think he's not inspiring. To be honest, charisma. No. Uh, no. I mean, he's great. He's the baddie. Saw him in Gemini Man recently. <laughs> yeah, it's just 
Not, not, didn't work. Didn't work. He couldn't do it. Two very serious performances in a very serious film. So. <laughs> and Clive Owen. What, Gemini so, Man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good film. Very odd. Bad Boys for Life is the film that Gemini Man Absolutely. wishes it was. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's more like it. Anyway. Without sorry. Yeah, the, the only other film, recently done a film, The Foreigner, uh, which was actually a very big, big box good. office success. Yeah. yeah. And of course, it's Pierce Brosnan, Reunited. Yeah. yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. <clears throat> Definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan together at last. I know. I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, why have I not seen it? Sounds brilliant. Screaming for it for years. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to this. Good movie, though. Is it good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, if this doesn't make your mouth water, his next film, goodness me, an action thriller called The Acids. It's not out yet. Probably will be by the time this is released, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's called The Acids, and it's starring Samuel L. Jackson and Michael Keaton. How good does that sound? Actually, I'm looking at the cast. It's got a few little uh, gems in it. So it's got Maggie Q, if you watch, um, <laughs> yeah. if you watch oh, Designated yeah. Survivor. She's here, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert yes. Patrick, obviously of Terminator oh, 2 oh. fame. Yeah, and Patrick Malahide. FYR, yeah. Patrick Malahide. Yeah, the, the Swiss oh, banker yeah. from The World Is Not Enough. And the uh, Jeremy <laughs> Boynton from the uh, Inspector Morse episode, Driven to Distraction. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence until that last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the winner, isn't it? <laughs> no, John, a very big fan. I think Chris is as well, isn't he? He's a bit of a... Uh, Inspector Morse obsession. Yeah, is Patrick Maldonado the hidden assets, do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. <laughs> before, we, before we eventually start talking about the film, the only other thing to say is that in terms of the filming, it, a lot of this wasn't filmed at Pinewood, it was filmed at Barandoff Studios in Prague. I don't know that's why they set some of it, obviously, in Czech, in Czech Republic. Well, it wasn't set in Czech... Um, the Carla Viveris, where... You know the lovely sort of uh, old school town where the casino scene and the, you know the meeting with Mathis and all those are, which is meant to be oh, I think lovely. Montenegro isn't it in the film? Love, desperate to go. Yeah, yeah Montenegro. In the film. And of course you all know yeah. uh, the Grand Hotel Pup, oh. which of course <laughs> is the, the, the same <laughs> hotel as in uh, the absolutely brilliant Queen Latifah film Last Holiday. I'm sure you know that. Gerard <laughs> Depardieu is a cook. <laughs> How have you seen that? Haven't you? <laughs> I mean, you not seen that? Um, you have seen again? Last Holiday. <laughs> it's Queen Last Holiday. No, I don't think I have. At the beginning, she's given like a, a scan, uh, like a cancer scan, and she's got like, you know, got cancer basically. So she's like, right, I'm going to die. I'm going to do everything I want to do. It's a bit like the bucket list in that respect. But she goes to Switzerland, which is meant to be, you know, where this hotel is, has a whale of a time. Won't, ru- won't ruin it, but it is a comedy. Very, very cosy film, honestly, the lads. Here. Well, I'm sold. You'll thank me. <laughs> yeah. I always think a terminal diagnosis is a real good sell yeah. for a, a cosy comedy. Film. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. Je- Jennifer's obsessed with it, anyway. That's, that's why I've seen it. So. So 
first of all, the gun barrel sequence, there isn't one. Yes, there is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not yet. I mean, putting it in black and white, immediately it's a bit trendy, a bit... Yeah. Do we need it? In and, and you've got some, you know, sort of upward diagonal camera angles as well. <clears throat> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, you're racing ahead. You can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. In the trailer, d- did the trailer give away that the opening would be in black and white? I can't remember. It had little I, flashes, I, I, I think. I I think. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah. yeah. Mm, but you might yeah. have thought, oh, right, it'll just be flashbacks, which would be black and white. Yeah. The MGM Lion was in black and white. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Batman Begins had done that. Or oh something, no! So. Gotta say, love this opening. <laughs> right, well, good. So that, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Gotta yeah. say, honestly, the black and white, the changing of the film stocks. So, when he's in the uh, office with the yeah. guy whose name I still can't remember, even though it was oh. on John's quiz. Ryden. 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 You are so wrong. When he's battering that bloke in the in the toilets, where he switched to the more grainy stock. Yeah, you know, I always, um, I always enjoyed that moment in Goldeneye. You know, where um, where Sean Bean's looking up at Piers Brosnan and he's saying, "For England, James." And he's like, "No, for me." And then he drops a satellite on his head. Um, <laughs> and he survived. I've always enjoyed that aspect of Bond, where he's cold blooded, and I just felt that this was just so visceral and crunchy and aggressive and abrasive. And I thought it really set the film up well in terms of because as much as I. I love Pierce Brosnan in the role. I think the with the way that Die Another Day had been received, it did require. I, I felt at this stage anyway, even though I was sad to see Brosnan go, I felt that the the series did need a little bit of a reset at that point, or just a change of direction. Um, and you can, you know you can argue whether it was too much or uh, or what have you, but I just felt that like this was a real good. Um, place setter in terms of setting the tone for this near era for Bond and you'd never seen him scrap like this before it was very very visceral and aggressive it was like he was like battering him through and I do enjoy a good toilet fight and a lot of oh, spy yeah. films have good fights toilet mm-hmm. fights are winners aren't they <laughs> yeah. Mission Impossible Mission Impossible 4 yeah. 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 True yeah. Lies yeah. excellent toilet fight yeah. as well yeah so it's a very much a staple. Of this was this was more like prisoners though than one of those toilet fights, wasn't it? <laughs> this is. <laughs> I mean, I I know I am a defendant of this film, but there is a toilet fight in a film called The Born Supremacy. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and I have to be honest, this was the actual bit in the whole of the film that actually made me feel most like Born. I, the, I agree, actually. Yeah. The the fight is very fast paced not fastly shot not awful mark forster stuff but but more <laughs> actually like it's a fast paced fight it's it's far more visceral than as you've said james anything that we've seen before in that sense but it does come across very much like matt damon doing it in the born supremacy for me yeah i would um with this opening although it wouldn't be my choice uh, the black and white i can you know from a stylistic point of view you know artistic point of view i can sort of see i can sort of see what they're doing uh, not my favourite choice. The, the more grainy for the fight, and I did. I also thought that was um, the most like Bourne. Although I think there's a general thing about there being more one-on-one fights, which was more, you know, in, on vogue because of because of uh, Jason Bourne and you know those films, rather than you know a few different guys that he's uh, he's like battering in an action sequence or something like that. I think it's not it's not my favourite fight, 
by, by any stretch in this in this film because I, the fact that it's in flashbacks in in segments doesn't quite do it for me to be honest with you i don't know what it is it you know like you see a bit of it and then you see a little bit more and i know it works in terms of um dryden saying about it being his his first kill yeah I, you know it sort of sets the tone for a darker thing like you're saying james but I'm, I'm quite surprised that this gets loads of love this pre-title sequence i think it's you know i think it's sort of decent but it's, it's pretty short as far as oh, yeah, it's only three there. minutes yeah obviously I, I would have been grumpy at the time watching <laughs> it when it's you know black black and white and then no gum barrel like <laughs> <laughs> a part of it is this whole thing that they're almost, you know, like, so everything, you know, all the things that I liked and, you know, you're sort of laughing yeah, at yeah. Yeah. Like, you didn't, you didn't want this. You, you, you wanted a more realistic reason for the being gun barrel. I know that's a bit, that's ridiculous thinking, but you'll, you'll get that from me throughout this. So I apologize. No, and I completely understand that as well. You know, not have it. You know, I, I enjoy Bond, but I'm not, you know, not the same level as fan as you guys are as well. So I would feel that like, oh well, everything that I enjoyed about that franchise is possibly being jettisoned here. But you know, my personal taste is that when within this genre of assassins and spies and stuff like that. I do enjoy that peril, the, uh, the visceral and, the, and action and action violence that feels like it has impact as well, which I, I yes. feel that this really yep. does. And, and yeah, it might be, I could totally understand how a Bond fan would be like, well, that is that is too far away from from what we what we enjoy, but I think as well when you're resetting and it's such a big commercial thing and what's in vogue, I think I just really enjoy the way that this is executed. This yeah, I, I agree with you, Jim. The the black and white thing, it's an artistic choice. Yeah, I think if you don't like it, I think it's a preferential thing as opposed to something that spoils the film. I, I do I do interpret it as it being an arty way of showing that this is before he becomes 007. This is like that's the way I see it, is that the second kill highlights that he is now 007, the gun barrel goes off, and you go into the song. And for me, actually, whilst I'm a massive advocate of having the gun barrel at the start, what they do makes sense. You know, really, that should be the gun barrel there. He's now 007, great. So for me, from now on, that set it up great. Yeah. Every yeah. film after yeah. that needs to have a gun barrel. To me, that's how it yeah. should be. And I actually, when I look at that, I think that really sets it up nicely. It's, yeah. it's saying yeah. that you're becoming 007. I love the contrast that you've got one kill, which is a frenetic fight, and one kill, which is very reminiscent of Doctor of the Professor Dent one, yeah. without the bullets yeah. Yeah. and yeah. that kind of thing. Lovely. A little side note, I don't know if any of you have seen the deleted scenes, but being a big cricket fan, there is a... The, 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 oh. Yeah, it's bizarre, this. But actually, the kill when um, Dryden says, "Oh, your first kill or whatever," he then says, "Are you a fan of cricket?" And it goes to a flashback in black and white of Bond at a cricket match. Oh, and it what? Honestly, it, a Bond at a cricket match. It's on. It's on. It's on your DVD. It's on your Blu-ray. On it. Let's see. And wow. he spots the man who he. And then they follow each other in the toilets, into the toilets. So it's Whoa. in a cricket stadium where this is oh, happening. Whoa. And it's only a couple, it's That's only lovely. like ten seconds. Can I shock or so. you? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's honestly, it's only ten seconds or so. But they decided to cut it, but it's just so great that it's like mm. it's at a cricket match there. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I agree, John, um, with what you said. And to have the gun barrel at the end, I, I've, I've no real problem with that, to be honest. Um, it fits with the opening sequence. 
and it makes the audience sit up and see that they are doing this opening sequence does make the audience straight away sit up and think we're entering something new here and oh i've got like a few things that i don't like about this opening sequence like i'm i think you know black and white is a little bit of a gimmick but you're quite right john that's preferential that's that's fine and what i've got to say is that even though for me this doesn't rate up there as one of the best opening sequences at all i think it's really really memorable and people fans bond fans and um non bond fans will remember will remember the, the the they'll remember how casino royale started as in they'll remember something being in black and white and they'll remember that that's when something new started. I think they'll remember that part. I don't think they'll remember much of the action or much of the dialogue. Um, and I think Bond's entrance is pretty underwhelming. Um, but um, I do think that it has some sticking power in the head. I think this opening sequence has the power to stick in fans' heads, definitely. Yeah, I, I noticed the sort of... Uh, this is like Alan Partridge quote, but the camera angles. <laughs> no, but, um, it felt almost like Bri- Brian De Palma sort of close-up I mean, and I, yes. I noticed throughout this film, there's a lot of close-up shots, but yeah. not not in this way. But you know, a still close-up, um, of, which I thought was interesting. Uh, sort of going for a sort of the more old-fashioned against the you know the the fight type, um, you know, the fight scene that 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 looks completely different. So they are they are you know contrasting. I think that is you know it's it's clever. Again, maybe not my personal choice, but I can respect it. Time is six, six minutes. Okay. One thing I've always, and I still don't, can, can someone, you know, when he says yes, considerably after he's shot him, what's he, I was what's just he about saying to that in response to? I so, need to. So it's about. Yeah. The second it's, is. It's about. Dryden says the second's easier. The second oh, kill is I easier. It's more enjoyable. I thought that's what it meant. Yeah, or, no, it's and then I couldn't yeah. 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 Right, okay. And then he does it. But he, he start, But Dryden starts to say something else, and then I'd forgotten. I keep. I always forget what. What had he just said? <laughs> or or am, am I wrong? is he saying it there and then? That Does he say something about it being easier and then as Dryden begins to say something else, that's when he shoots him? Is that what, is that what happens? Yeah, he's basically sort of outlining that um, it's quite, a, it's a bit of a, it's a trope of all sort of hitmen assassin things that the first one is the most difficult one and then after that it gets easier. And basically as he's going through that sort of cliched line and, you know, that is a, a trope within within the genre he shoots him and goes, yes, considerably. And I'm just like, I've got a big beaming smile on my face. It's like, oh, that's so badass. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that is so cold-blooded. Is it, is anyone else, is it surprisingly low amount of kills needed to be a double-O agent? You just need to kill two people? Is that... <laughs> Depends I what level of difficulty. Zeros are you, could, you, could, you could do that in one mission, couldn't you? You could, yeah, I, I mean, I'm regardless of whether it's in the book, like, that's... That's quite surprising because yeah. you could kill two people in well, one fight, couldn't you? Or yeah, but it's not. You know, I think you've got. You're supposed to. Have, you've been tasked with killing these people. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not like yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to the pub. Start. Start a fight. Yeah. yeah. About you know. And, it, yeah. and it's all oh, relative, no, no. isn't it? No, I'm fight. saying, but it, yeah. It's, it's, on, it, for, it might be two minutes of a Pierce Brosnan film killing two people. It's two sittings of the man with the golden gun to see him kill yeah, two people. Yeah, very true. So it is, true. it is like relative to yeah. the thing. But I do get your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going back to like the, the reveal of Bond. Is was that like a sort of reverse nod to Blofeld? Almost he's like sat down at this desk. I almost you know in black. I almost envisaged him to have like a 
mm. a white uh, pussycat in his in his lap and uh, <laughs> again. <laughs> Uh, my problem more with this is not the action. I think the action's perfectly good and works for the scene. It's a bit funny how the, you know, him going to the gunbrow is sort of picking a gun up from the toilet into the, <laughs> the toilet floor into the the, the the classic pose, which is a bit weird. But, um, <laughs> no, I think that that's fine. I just thought that it sets the tone for this dialogue-heavy. It's all about Bond. Mm. Every single person's read the script and they think. Right, how can we make this about Bond's character? Like, what, what would this guy be talking about? Kills to this guy? I just don't. I, other than for the purposes of the plot and the storyline of Bond becoming a double O agent, I, maybe because he, he is section chief. I think you can you can get away with that because he's yes. like, perhaps been coaching him. I don't know, or sort of yeah. uh, putting him along uh, the system. But it's the whole, you know, your file shows no kills, and I do, would. Why would he be talking? Go on, James. I mean, my yeah, just me. I, I read that as him trying to psych Bond out, who is with the trying okay, to establish yeah, yeah. that he's a new agent at this time, and this guy is a very experienced. Is he the he's the section chief, isn't he? And superior to Bond yeah. in terms of rankings and what have you, and possibly may have trained him even. Yeah. Um, so, and I think I, I think it's quite well established in this film that everybody who's superior to Bond thinks that he's a cheeky yeah, little shit yeah. basically <laughs> yeah. it's not that bad I don't know yeah, why right. going on with it. And, try, and everyone seems to be trying to put him in his place constantly uh, and he's, part of the tension within the film is him butting against that so that's how I read that oh yeah I, I can understand why it's done it's just it's a massive change in the whole yeah. uh, you know this dynamic of the film compared to the others it's that this is about James Bond and his character Yeah, yeah. not this is about yeah. Bond saving the world or anything like that. Yeah, and, lo- and lots of characters talk about yeah, Bond. Yeah. and yeah. Yeah. yeah, That is a very similar trait to the book of Casino Royale. Oh, that's uh, a now, <laughs> <laughs> it, They're both introductory pieces. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and you can tell that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I do acknowledge your point, and I think I will always stand by the criticism that that's been taken on to pretty much every one of these Daniel Craig films, and that I, I will get on board all day with that criticism that they're all about him. But for this one, I think that actually deliberate, and it's it is just about that, and it should be there to do that to go into the character of Bond to set a platform to provide something different. Yeah, it was this climate, like I said before, where not only did people like gritty, but they also loved origin stories as well. They did. And this this was a great chance for audiences to just get a little insight into Bond's backstory. Not not his childhood or how he's grown up, but just a little bit. And I'm quite I'm I'm I think I'm probably glad that they wrapped it up in three minutes. To be honest, I didn't I wouldn't have wanted a, <laughs> a <clears throat> yeah. I wouldn't have wanted a whole film about that. So I, that's yeah. I presume you do. I think there was an appetite for origins. <laughs> <laughs> Hey? The whole film's about him, though. Oh no, no. I mean, sorry. I mean, I mean, you this mean opening sequence about getting getting two yeah. kills. Yeah, getting two kills and becoming a double O. I'm so glad that he didn't become a double O by the end of the film. He's a double O at the start of the film, which is what I'm glad about. Yeah. I'm glad about. The only other thing to mention is the um, mention the line. How did he die? Not well. <laughs> Not well. Just the yeah. pronunciation. Trailer the thing. Emphasis is just, yeah. Yeah. Really, <laughs> 
That's all for part one of our Casino Royale review. Join us though in part two, where we look at the rather interesting gun barrel, we assess the title song and sequence, and Bond heads over to the Caribbean. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.